Hi, listeners. I'm Irene Barton, Executive Director of the Cobb Collaborative, and I welcome you to Mind Your Mind Speaks. This is a podcast series that brings together subject matter experts and community leaders to help raise awareness, share resources, and inspire action through recorded conversations about mental health and well being topics. Today, we are delighted to welcome Heather Kroos to our program. Heather has had a pretty remarkable life living with a variety of mental illnesses, and in December of 2014, attended training to become a certified peer specialist. Heather, welcome to our program, and I'd love to learn a little bit more about the certified peer specialist program, as well as a little bit more about you. So can you share with our listeners maybe how long you've lived in the area um, and some things that you like to do for fun? Yeah, uh, well, my family initially moved here back in 1991. So I graduated from Cartersville High School in 96 and then graduated from Kennesaw State in 2004. Went back out to Colorado for a few years, and I've been back here since December 2011. Um, I'm sorry, what was the second part? Um, what you like to do for fun? Oh, okay. Oh, uh, well, there's a lot of stuff. I, I like hiking, and I took up mountain biking last year, because why not? And <laughs> I, I like to attempt to run. Not very good at it, but it's, it's fun. Uh, volunteering and Photography is probably art in general, but photography is my favorite medium. Uh-huh. So you, you keep pretty busy. Um, so Heather, tell me what your degree from KSU was, was in. You said you graduated in 2004? Yes, ma'am. I graduated with a sports management, not medicine, but management degree with a recreation emphasis. My original goal was to try to become a recreation therapist and then realize that wasn't going to work. Okay. So I ended up, I, I use what I learned from that, but I'm just not really cut out to work in the field and really didn't want to go back for a master's. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I use what I learned, though, to try to help with other things, which is actually part of the reason I became a certified peer specialist. Yeah. Well, you know, all, all of life is learning from our experiences, right? And then seeing how we can use that in the future to either lift up ourselves or lift up other people. So, yeah, let's circle back to the certified peer specialist program. Um, you shared with me earlier that you um, went through that program and um, started in December of 2014. So can you tell us a little bit about the program? Like what are the goals of it? How long does it take to become a peer specialist? I'm not sure how much of it has changed because I haven't really kept up with it. I don't want to work one-on-one so there hasn't been much reason to okay but when I went through it it was a nine-day training uh, very intense you literally were there all day for those for five days you took the weekend off came back for another four days and then you had to take a test that was written as well as verbal Mm -hmm. and back then verbal and I did not get along (laughs) (laughs) okay 
but the idea behind it is that if you peers are people that are living with some type of mental illness or as they like to call it a mental health challenge which personally i think is kind of stupid because we don't call physical illnesses physical challenges so why would we call a mental illness a mental health challenge fair fair enough um but the idea behind it is to kind of bridge the gap between the peer and the provider. Mm-hmm. We serve as a role model for both peers and providers to show that living a life in recovery is not only achievable and possible, but that we are proof of that. So essentially what we do is we're trying to use our lived experience to help others and get some basic knowledge on different aspects of recovery and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. So I hope that answers your question. I, I think so. And then do you know how people are matched with a peer specialist? Like how those matches occur? Did you stay with it long enough to see that aspect of it? I actually worked. uh, So a lot of the community-based health, uh, mental health, for example, in Cobb County, it'd either be Cobb or Cobb Douglas CSB. Yes. Mm -hmm. Cobb CSB. Mm -hmm. Up here, it's Highland Rivers. So a lot of times they will hire a CPS and they'll have groups run by the CPS and then peers. it's, It's the purpose of it is to be self-directed and to help encourage people to live a more healthy active life okay one of the things that is important for people to understand is that the old model doesn't work it's actually more cost effective and more effective treatment wise for it to be community-based mental health care Mm -hmm. as opposed to just warehousing people in an institution Yes. And I think um, that's why years ago, Georgia kind of got its hand slapped for that and went to the more local, that's when DBHDD was founded and went to these more local responses to. That's actually how the CPS project got started. Uh, The federal government's, I may get this wrong, but my understanding is the federal government came in and sued the state hospitals. The misuse of funds. Yes, you you are correct in that, Heather. Yes. And just to um, let you know, Highlands River recently merged with Cobb County CSB. So now Cobb is also part of the Highlands River family. So yeah, as we are recording this, the, the marketing and the communications and all of that um, is going out. So, so you will be once again um, familiar with that name. So you mentioned, Heather, when we first started talking that you decided the one-on-one or the individual coaching was not for you. And that's fair enough, right? Um, and is that what kind of led you to step away from that role as a peer specialist? In a lot of ways, yes. Uh, People find this very ironic. I do myself, but for me, it's a lot easier to stand in front of a large group of people and talk than it is one-on-one. One one of the 
personal struggles that I have is with interpersonal communication, interpersonal relationships, people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but when I joined Toastmasters in 2016, I didn't talk to anybody. I was terrified of it. And originally I joined because I was pursuing a photography and having to do pitches and things like that were just beyond anything that I could do. Okay. So you felt, did somebody kind of force you or highly encourage you to join Toastmasters? They had been highly encouraging it for years. <laughs> I had been told off and on most of my life that I should be a motivational speaker. And I would look at them and go, we have met. You realize it requires talking. <laughs> to <laughs> other people. <laughs> But through my journey with Toastmasters, I gained more confidence and ease standing in front of the group of people. And once I got past that initial fear, which admittedly took a few years, mm -hmm. but I, I found that I actually enjoyed doing it because when I'm up there, it's not about me. Mm -hmm. and it, it, it's also part of the reason that I went towards becoming a certified peer specialist I can't change anything that I have gone through. I can't change the things that have happened to me. A lot of things that should not have happened to me, especially in the state hospital. Okay. And I can't do anything about that. But right. if I can take my experiences and share them with other people, mm -hmm. so that they can gain a better understanding of what it's like what living with a mental illness really looks like as opposed to what the media likes to tell us it is yeah then maybe i can help prevent some other people from having to go through similar situations and then it'll be worth it wow that that is extremely powerful heather i just got chills as you were sharing that so thank you thank you for for um speaking truth to that and, and being so transparent. And I am sure that your lived experience and is helping change the trajectory of, of other people's lives, whether it's in a large group or in a small gathering. <laughs> so, um, so when did you, how many meetings did it take of Toastmasters for you to finally get comfortable with standing up and, and speaking? <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, it took a while. The The nice thing about Toastmasters is if you can find a club where it's a good fit, mm -hmm. the whole purpose behind it is to provide a supportive environment and they give you feedback. And mm -hmm. it helped me not only with the public speaking, it actually helped with the interpersonal communication. Okay. Uh, I worked really hard. I got it into the leadership roles first at the club level and then at the district level. And it wasn't an easy decision, but in 2020, I, I walked away from it all due to some things that happened. Oh, okay. I don't regret my decision to leave. It was the right time. And let's face it, 2020 was a rough year for everybody. For everybody, yes. And I, I lost a lot in a very short period of time. And then at the end of the year, uh, I actually ended up getting pneumonia, got discharged, got COVID, got oh, discharged, heavens. and yeah. my dad all within less than a month. Holy moly, that is a lot. 
so that really kind of rocked my world and yeah so and what um what assets or skills did you draw on to get through that did you have other people who who helped you did you just dig deep and say if I have endured this far I can get through this too I'll be honest I have an amazing support system now that I haven't always had um, excellent yeah one of the like, Toastmasters not only helped me learn how to speak better but it also gave me a way to organize different things, uh, including a couple of workshops and different, uh, actually one of the photography projects was born out of a project that I was doing for Toastmasters for my first high performance leadership project where I organized the photo shoot and then put together a panel discussion um, at the time, it was Hello, My Name Is. It's since been changed to Identity Stolen. Okay. The, the idea behind it was to illustrate how people see you differently once they find out that you have a mental illness. First uh -huh. on the clinical side, and then the way people start to treat you differently, and then how the media treats you differently. And so it's a series of four photos. I did it myself first and then I've taken several people through it and then had a couple of opportunities where either my by myself or with other people and we talked about our experiences with it and that led to um, it's a part of the first photo essay I published which working on that photo essay is what got me through 2020. Ah uh, okay and uh, yeah and then can can our listeners access that? Is it, um, yes. is it something that is on the, um, on the in internet or somewhere yeah. else? It's on Amazon, uh, both of okay. them. Uh, Excellent. I, I self-published through Amazon. They're the first one is called Words Are Hard because words are hard. <laughs> mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then the second one is uh, Friendship. I think it's listed under understanding connections or making connections. I don't remember because one's on the book cover and the other one is on the internet, like the title on Amazon. Oh, I see. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, no worries. We will find it and we'll drop it in the show notes. I'm so glad that you shared that with us. And so, yeah, having something that's meaningful and can take you out of your current situation and in in your 2020 experiences extremely painful from both a, I'm sure a physical standpoint but emotionally um with losing your father um, yeah, the, the some, first sometimes one, that's what we need right well the first one I was working on throughout 2020 and that okay helped. and then last year the second one was actually intended as a birthday present for a friend of mine, which I didn't even get it started before her birthday, but I showed her what I'd written out and she's like, yeah, you need to publish that. So I <laughs> well, that but, was nice of her to share her gift with a much larger audience. <laughs> and, uh, 
Right now, I'm actually working on my third one. I don't have a title for it yet, but the goal is to publish by June 20th, which would have been my dad's birthday. Um, oh, okay. Last year, I took an epic road trip pretty much for the month of June to go out from, I, I left here, went to Indiana, picked up his his cousin, affectionately known as my hitchhiker. And then we went to Portland where I met my uncle, his youngest brother for the first time in close to 40 years. And oh, then wow. we came back, hit up all kinds of, it was, a, it was an awesome trip. And it was oh, a way to that. What a way to see the country. And you put some miles on that car. <laughs> yes. Yes, I did. No longer with us, but uh, yeah, but it, it served its purpose. Well, yeah, Heather, I'd, I'd like to go back to something that you mentioned that you said is what the photo essay is about. It's how people treat you differently once they discover you have a mental illness. Can you briefly talk about that? Do you like physically see people's face change, their body language change, or is it more subtle than that? Well, like I said earlier, one of the things I struggle with is interpersonal communication. I'm not mm -hmm. really good at reading body language or picking okay. up on social cues. Mm -hmm. But there is, at least in my um, experience, it's usually not that subtle. Especially when you go to a doctor's office or you end up in the emergency room. And they ask you for your history. And the minute they find out you have a mental illness, the way they treat you completely changes. Wow. I'm fortunate enough now that my primary care physician understands the concept of whole health. Mm -hmm. Whereas before I've had doctors that I went in because I was hacking up a lung and all they wanted to ask me was, well, are you suicidal? Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. No, but if you don't get off this line of questioning, I might get a little homicidal. I, <laughs> yeah i i'm here for my lung that yeah. yeah so it's just it's really frustrating when people especially when people make what they think are innocuous comments like when they refer to the weather as being bipolar mm -hmm. or they talk about how bad their ocd or adhd is or whatever and they don't realize that these are legitimate illnesses and when you talk about that like it's nothing you're having an impact on the way the person that is legitimately struggling with these issues in a very negative way yeah and there's also like when I was in high school it was the first time I was hospitalized when I got out I had people that were calling me a freak and psycho and psychedelic because they weren't all that smart and thought it was the same thing and it becomes your internal dialogue. And mm -hmm. so you, you start to internalize that. And then anytime there's a mass shooting, although it seems to be getting a little better, if it's a white male, the first thing that typically pops out of people's mouth is we need to lock up all the crazy people. Mm -hmm. And being a jerk is not a mental illness. <laughs> Fair enough. So that's, that really is what my focus is on uh, as I told you earlier I started a podcast last May um, the goal I it started 
pre-recording some of them before May because I really wanted to get it out on May, maybe in the Mental Health Awareness Month. Mm-hmm. So right. That was really important to me, and I've stuck with it. Uh, initially, it was just me and a microphone. Now, me and my pastor, Larry Grayway, have been doing it together. And right now, we uh, we started the year with growth and talking about goals and stuff. And now we're talking about uh, the recovery journey and explaining the five stages of recovery. And I was actually fortunate enough, uh, it, the episode will be going out at the end of June, but I had the opportunity to sit down with Chief Westenberger of the Kennesaw Police Department. Uh, yeah, he's a great guy. He really is. And one of the reasons that I respect him is that he is very very uh, words are hard um, aware yeah um, aware very much aware very very supportive of mental health oh mm-hmm. and recognizing the importance of it and a lot of the interactions that I've had with the Kennesaw Police Department have been a lot more positive excellent uh, Sergeant Matthew Mead is one of the people that has definitely helped. He actually uh, helped me design a card that I keep in my wallet so that if I have interactions with police or paramedics or anybody else, I can pull it out and just kind of give some basic information explaining that I have difficulty communicating, especially when I'm stressed out. And sometimes I just need a little bit of space and Mm -hmm. contact info for people in case I need it. So that's definitely been helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Do you know if other police departments and law enforcement agencies do that? That seems so, I I don't wanna say simple, but so basic and yet so essential to bridge gaps that can occur. I don't know. To be honest with you, my experience with the police has not always been that positive. Mm-hmm. I actually met Sergeant Mead through Larry, who is one of the chaplains for the Kennesaw Police Department. Oh, okay. And so it was just a random meeting. Uh, I, like I said, I haven't always had the greatest uh, support system. I don't remember if I had mentioned this before. I'm actually... Con- Coming up on my 12th year anniversary of my last suicide attempt. Okay. You, you did not. So I'm glad you're here with us. Is that a difficult, as you get closer to that date, does it become more difficult for you? If you, if you don't mind me asking. No, no, it's, it's a little bittersweet. Okay. Um, I'm haven't always been thankful that I survived. I came mm-hmm. very close to not surviving. Uh, I was wow. on a ventilator for two days. Wow. And they weren't sure if I had brain function. Mm-hmm. Although some would question that now. So, but uh, yeah. <laughs> it was also the, the precipitating event, the breaking point, as I call it, which was the title of the first photo essay I ever did. That one's not published, but we're in the process right now of redoing the whole thing with the goal of not only being a photo essay, but also a short film. Um, 
But the breaking point for that attempt was losing my pup. He was 19 months old. I mean, he didn't even make it to his second birthday. Oh. And I didn't handle it very well. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really have a strong support system. At that time, yeah. And so, like I said earlier, right now I have a phenomenal support system. Uh, November 5th was the anniversary of my dad's passing. Okay. It was the first, my pastors took me up to the National Cemetery in Canton. He's a mm-hmm. he's Air a, Force a, veteran. Okay. Vietnam veteran. And so he's up there and it was the first time I had gone because I didn't go to the internment. I just, I couldn't handle going. And as we were coming back, just everything came crashing down around me and I had already been struggling with some suicidal thoughts and that night it just all, and they refused to leave me alone. Ah, that is a good support system. <laughs> so, and I'd like to say it was the last time, but it, it wasn't. I even within the probably last four or five months started struggling with them again, but having that support system and someone that I could turn to has made a world of difference. Wow. And that, like I said earlier, everything that I am trying to do is because I know how hard it can be. Mm-hmm. I can't change what has happened, but if I can help bring awareness and help someone else not have to go through this, I've done a couple of presentations. We did one on May 4th. It was on the Words of Heart book, as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. And I've got a couple more opportunities to get out there and speak. And I'm always looking for more. Um, got one scheduled at desktop in Kennesaw. Okay. September 14th, which will be the Fighting the Darkness, which is a suicide prevention. Yes. So wanted to do it on September 10th, but A, it's a Sunday or Saturday, and B, way too close to Dragon Con coming home from. Uh, got less <laughs> to go. So we're going to do it the following Wednesday instead. And Okay. Wow. Well, yeah. Um, Heather, this has just been a great conversation. I'm so pleased to hear of your, your support system, the fact that you have taken your journey and are using it to express yourself um, to help others through your podcast, through your photo essays, through your speaking engagements. And while it may not always be easy or comfortable, you're doing the hard work, aren't you? I'm trying to. <laughs> And, and really, that's all we can ask of ourselves, right? To try to try to do it, to get out there. Oh, as I have had people remind me, uh, God doesn't choose people that have easy lives. You look at Moses, and I am not Moses by any stretch of the imagination, but he had a severe stutter and he let people out of Egypt. So yeah, there, there you go. Right. <laughs> that's a good frame of reference for anybody uh, to recall yeah when they say oh I'm too tired or I've got too much going on or I can't handle it or whatever yeah yeah (laughs) I I truly believe that the gifts that he's given me are 
I need to give back with them. And so through art, photography especially, and then strangely enough, he's developed a uh, skill of public speaking, which I never thought would happen. Um, it is kind of amazing sometimes um, the paths that our lives can take, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, wow. Is there, Heather, as we draw to a close, is there anything that we didn't talk about that you want to be sure our listeners are aware of? I, I think the most important thing and the, the key takeaway I hope that they get from this is the, well, first of all, that. Uh, just because someone is living with a mental illness, which depending on statistics is either one in four or one in five adults, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that they need to be feared. Okay. You know, we're just like everybody else. There's going to be some jerks in there, but for most people, they just need someone to care about them and to support them. And mm-hmm. I, I think that would probably be the biggest thing. And I didn't mention this earlier, but it's something that's really weighs on my heart. If you see someone struggling, don't wait for them to reach out to you. Okay. And if someone is telling you that they are thinking about suicide or they're talking about death a lot, don't be afraid to talk to them about it. You're not going to put the idea in their head. Yeah. It's already there. And yeah. And most importantly, take it seriously. I don't care if it's the first time or the hundredth time or the millionth time. Always take it seriously. I reached out for help the night before my last attempt and got turned away. Wow. I was told that they didn't have time to play games. Mm -hmm. And I was fortunate enough that someone the morning after I went to take care of some last minute details and they recognized something was wrong and had it not been for somebody recognizing something was wrong I wouldn't be here so I always take it seriously I think Mm -hmm. and recognize the importance of connection you know it's it's not easy and I'm not a huge people person. I'm very much an introvert. I like my downtime, but I've Mm -hmm. recognized and learned the importance of having that support system around me and being a support system to other people as well. It's not a street. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much, Heather, for, for sharing that. It's, it's so true. And I mean, sometimes we can connect with other people. We don't have to use words. We can just be there. But sometimes words are necessary. Um, And then sometimes we need our own time. As you said, as an introvert, you need your alone time to recharge your batteries so that you can get back out there and and connect with others. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, Heather. Um, We are so grateful that you have taken the time Uh, to connect with us on our podcast and wish you we have so much to put in the the show notes it's going to be great I can't wait to get it all together and um, also can't wait to hop on Amazon and check out your photo essays very much so 
And listeners, thank you for tuning in today. And to be sure that you don't miss any future episodes, please subscribe to our Mind Your Mind Speaks podcast. Also, we ask that you leave us a review on Apple. Until next time, remember there is no health without mental health. Please mind your mind and keep an eye on the loved ones in your lives.